and welcome folks to episode 55 of the Ministry of Dice podcast. We're a UK-based podcast and normally I would say talking about all things Dice Masters in the United Kingdom. But today we're talking about all things Dice Masters in the world. In the whole wide world. Yeah. Although technically just North America. I'm Chris, otherwise online known as True Mr. Six. And with me today I have Andy. A.K.A. A little less conversation, a little more action, bit. <laughs> yes, that's right, folks. Welcome to our Dice Masters 2019 World Championship Special. Yes, very exciting times. So if you if you don't already know, if you've been under a rock, um, or don't go anywhere near social media or anything, then the Dice Masters 2019 World Championship took place. Last weekend, as of recording, but two weekends ago, as of release. I do this all the time, I get confused, don't I? <laughs> and we have world-related special content lined up to bring to you to talk about the, the, the exciting event of the year. That we can go to. Yeah. Just can't afford it, man. I was saying on Discord the other day, I was just like proper blue about it. And then I started watching the stream and I kind of just felt more blue about it. <laughs> Yeah, they've done an all right job on the stream, haven't they? They did, absolutely, yeah. The, the stand-ins. <laughs> i tell you what, they're a pair of kind of all-American handsome chaps, aren't they? The jawlines and the and what was it James was saying, the, the teeth quality. <laughs> 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 Not like us dirty, uh, dirty UK teeth guys. I've been to the dentist this week, in fact, it was horrible. Yeah. Yeah, I hate the dentist. My teeth ain't that bad. Well, I got a whole thing where my teeth I got these uh, two teeth that are overlapping this one that uh, that uh, you can I'm actually sticking my finger in my mouth like you can see me and the dentist said to me at a checkup a couple of weeks back oh you should have had a brace on that I'm like alright great well I'll just you know hop in my time machine go back and have a word with, with you know 12 year old Chris's dentist and sort that out then shall I you know what I mean just do do what I'm paying you for and tell me what to do now you know what I mean? Judgmental little. Oh, mate, you'd look nice with the brace on, I think. Yeah, it'd be a good look for me, I reckon, yeah. And then colourful ones with the different coloured bands, rubber bands. Yeah, yeah, sure. Do you think they do them in the Union flag colours? <laughs> for you, definitely. Of course, yeah, because my reputation will precede me. I'll get, I'll get with Lizzie, give him a ring, say, he needs the special ones. <laughs> the special <laughs> ones. That's what we are, we're the special ones. We're the special ones, yeah. By royal appointment. <laughs> Both of my teeth are lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. You look after them so very well. Yes. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the, the, the world stream, Steve Cookus on DM Armada and Ross Forster from the Weekly Dice Arena over on Twitch did a tremendous job over the weekend. Uh, well, we'll talk about all that. We'll talk about all that because before before we get into the worldy stuff, we've got just a couple of little local level bits to do. Oh, no, some quite big local level bits to do. Or at True least one that. of them. True that. True Aye. story. Bit of housekeeping, bit of MOD housekeeping, and then we've got a quick community focus for you folks here in the UK. But as always, before we do anything in any episode, I like to ask, how you doing, my man? What have you been up to in the last two weeks? Oh, what have I been up to? We've played some games. Now, now I've been thinking quite a lot, because we've been playing Modern Constructed. We have. Um, in preparation for the thing that James is putting on online. The, the hashtag rest of worlds. Rest of worlds and competitive things that are coming up uh so we've had some games of modern slap your face constructed 
Yeah. And I am well off the boil. I think because we've not had anything up to this point where over in the UK we to play for, like we've not had any WKOs, nationals look like it's a uh, a, a dream. Mm. We've been playing lots of like more fun stuff, like we had the single affiliation, we've done global escalation, although showable whether that's fun. But and I'm struggling to, to get into the swing of what's what's meta. Okay, I hope we can have some help later on in the episode about that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we certainly intend on talking a little bit about the world's meta. And spoiler alert: all all things going to plan. We're sitting down and recording some meta-related chat with a special guest. Lovely man. Um, but yes, yeah, so we played some of those games. I played the team I played in the online event that we did, which was the Chris and Rob's Game Room one. Yeah, was it? Oh, it wasn't the birthday bash, it was the one before we did, which was modern constructed. Was that the one big weekend online? That was it, yes. Yeah. No, I didn't do that. It was one after that. Well, it just goes to show, folks, how much opportunity there is to play online. That we're doing it that often, we can't even remember <laughs> what yeah. it is, which event it was when. Yeah, so the team was uh, mimic ramp with the Batman that gives sidekicks plus two attack when they attack. Yeah. Um, so nice. played that against uh, your team, mm-hmm. and it it did the standard win the first game, lost the second and third, where Chris works out how to beat me. Um, <laughs> so that was fun. Other than that, no, I've been a bit poorly. Oh, dear. Um, so now. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Oh. I know. Hmm. Uh, which was nice. I had a, you know, a, a bit of a relaxing mood. Spence, I got sent home. This is a story. got sent home on Monday because I was looking rough. So I had a bit of a dodgy stomach. Right. Uh, so so, so came, came home, got myself set up um, on, on the toilet. Um, okay, sure. With my iPad, with Netflix, uh-huh. with a little vapor. Sure. No kids, no wife. And I was like, you know what? I might not be feeling well, but you know, I'm quite enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw Jack Whitehall there, the season three of him going traveling with his dad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The only thing I couldn't work out, because I've got a, uh, a numbness to areas where I was sat on the uh, the seat for so long. So I was trying to work out how to put like a cushion or a blanket or something <laughs> underneath. But I couldn't work out how to do it without, you know, making oh, a mess. Oh, my word. So that, that, that was, uh, you know, a ray of light in an unwise... Otherwise ray. miserable time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, miserable time. Yeah, played a little bit of Apex. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing your story. <laughs> You're welcome. What about you? What have you been up to this last couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, so uh, non-Dice Masters-wise, a few bits and bobs here. Um, my uh, good friend Billy, who I've, I've mentioned on the podcast before, um, as the individual who introduced me to Dice Masters, who started this whole addiction, uh, he came round for a bit of a gaming night, not seeing him in a while, uh, and he brought a couple of bits and bobs that I knew he had that I fancy playing, so I played uh, the Quacks of Quadlington. Quidlington. <laughs> the what? You laugh. It, it was actually pretty good. The kids were still up at that point, and they were able to play. And that's that's that's. Uh, I can recommend that one. I enjoyed it. Uh, although lots of fiddly bits, tokens everywhere. It felt a bit Fantasy Flight with all right. these tokens. But the actual gameplay uh, mechanic is quite fun. Although random, you can't really control the strategy of it. It's completely random stuff. Um, it's a push your luck game. I tried Wingspan out. He brought Winspan out round for me to have a look at because that's the big game of the year. Lots of people talking about it. I hadn't given it a try yet, and I knew he had a copy, so he brought that round. I got to say, it's all right, but <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it, if it's worth all the noise. Wingspan. 
Yeah. So that's with aeroplanes. No, the birdie one. It's about birds. And you about lay eggs. Birds, and... chicks. Yeah, you lay eggs, you feed them. They live in the grass or the pond or in the trees. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a resource management kind of thing. Um, it was all right. I played games very similar to it with lots of very similar mechanics. So I can only assume that the theme is what what people are making a lot of noise about. But anyway, there was that. Bird-based uh, board games is the future. Yeah, a bit more, a uh, bit more dice thrown this week. Tried out the two new characters. Ooh. Yeah, still like it, but still struggling with it a bit. It's very dense for, and it, so it's a slow first experience with a new character you know so that's fine uh so that's that's when we kind of non-dice masters a bit oh and beasts of balance i mean i think i mentioned that in the last episode oh yeah yeah you get ordering it to get it through yeah yeah and been playing it with the kids they love it it's um it's a lot of fun it's a good laugh they're, they're loving the whole ipad app that comes with it and everything it, it absolutely is doing what i hoped it did with the ticking the box with ipad game to screen time but also being a bit more you know family involved and and nice. board, board gaming so but i've kind of they've liked it so much i thought oh we could do with some new animals i'll get the expansion pack and you can't find it anywhere for love nor money yeah yeah so another shout out this is like a zool last year if anybody uh, has a reasonably priced line on beasts of balance expansions maybe there's one sat on the shelf in your local gaming store you can let me know about or something uh, please do get in touch i'd be interested to know <laughs> on the Dice Masters front, you use this podcast to like just get stuff. Absolutely, I do. Don't you? I'm just thinking about how I can abuse it more. <laughs> I'll give you some lessons when we're off, off air. <laughs> <laughs> so, my gardener's not been playing, playing ball. Like, <laughs> if there's anyone in the Southampton area, you can do the front and back garden for 20 quid, then um, uh, drop us a line. BritRoyal6.com, <laughs> put it in the comments. You gardener. How tall is he? <laughs> he's, he's a short man, but he's very good. Oh, man. So once again, though, we're the only people who get that joke because I never, I cut it out of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, what was I saying? Uh, on the Dice Masters front yep. down at Element Games, we did Modern Constructed last night. Again, getting game practice in for Saturday's uh, online tournament. And the last week, the week before, what did we play the week before? Is it your Escalation League? Was it? No, single set we did. We finished the Escalation League now. Oh. Elimination League, yeah, we're, we're done with that. Did you get a winner? Do you like have a league with a, a league winner or did you just play loads of games? Yeah, we just played loads of games with the, okay. the format getting increasingly restricted. Although I think actually if I was to go back and look over the over in the win, I would probably say the Duncan my man Duncan, who I've mentioned a few times on the podcast, he'll come out on top. Um, yeah, so single set last week, I did a Justice campaign box plus team packs thing with a few Justice League characters and, and whatnot. Uh, and then I played in the Dice Fight last Thursday as well. Uh, if anyone's ever looking for an online game, there's a regular event run by our friend James over at Dice Masters with James and Zach, or James and Zach play Dice Masters, or Dice Masters, Zach with Zach James. Masters with yeah. Tyson James. Yeah, um, and that was unaffiliated cards only, so you could only play with cards that didn't have an affiliation symbol on them. How did that go when I saw the advert and I thought, hmm? Uh, I had a lot of fun, actually. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I I made a really interesting team using the Satchel of Unlimited Weaponry from Deadpool, the rare one that does two damage for each action in in your field zone. 
and then just put as many continuous actions as I could find. Nice. Yeah. I suppose not much. Actions don't really have affiliations, do they? No, that's yeah, absolutely. And then I just put a couple of. Oh, I did a nice little combo. Yeah, a bit cheaty. Is that a bit cheaty? What doing the actions? Yeah. Well, I didn't believe so. I played the team, but I'm I'm okay. open to suggestions otherwise. Um, but I, had, I mean, nice little combo. I had the dragon statue trap that, when you're attacked, lets you feel the dragon on level three. And then you put the dragon back on the card at the end of the turn. And then I had a thousand dragon from Yu-Gi-Oh with the global that makes actions cheaper to buy. Ooh. Yeah, I was very pleased with that little little combo. So thinking, obviously, playing an all-action team, I was a bit concerned about, you know, I was loaded, I had Cold Gun, I had Guardian of the Faith, stuff like that, because I was thinking, well, I've got no characters to do any blocking with, you know. Um, so that was my concern, and then I just kind of hit upon that and thought, oh, I could put the dragon statue trap in the field, counts towards my satchel hit, but then if I'm really desperately in trouble, I can fire it off, pull me thousand dragon dice in on level three, and at least then I've got a really really hard blocker, you know. Clever. And he comes with the global to make me the purchases of my other actions cheaper. That Good was, stuff. That, that was my fun little combo of the day. Yeah. Uh, so I played in that, and then uh, over the Worlds weekend, which we'll of course talk about in more detail, I spent a lot of time watching the stream content, just following what's going on, seeing the games, chatting with a few guys from all over, from around the world in the uh, live chat, you know, seeing what's going on. Yeah, you did. You watched it, so I didn't have to. It's nice because I could get all your updates. Yes, yeah, I am. Um, I offer a tremendous service to you and many others on that respect. Yeah, so check I, the blog out for all the. Uh spoilers don't bother checking any other website out because we nicked them all and put them on to us <laughs> yes we did the stream was tremendous <laughs> actually for sharing the spoilers well uh, i must say a couple of thank yous actually so a uh, quick thank you to our man matt jordan who was uh, in attendance and very kindly well I, I say thank you to matt matt was the guy i lined up to take photos for me at the fan appreciation event but as the fan appreciation event was taking place i must also say thank you to troy troy miller i must say thank you to ben scott <laughs> andy may and there was loads of people sending me stuff like oh have you seen this yet so that was really super cool so I was able to get the fan appreciation spoilers out pretty quick shortly after the fan appreciation event had taken place. And the guys over on the stream, uh, Steve and Ross, quick thank you to them because even they were sharing spoilers at various intervals through the stream, you know, in the downtime between games and uh, between rounds and whatnot. And Steve and Ross very kindly said, yeah, by all means, screen capture them, go, go and blog about them. We're, we're comfortable and happy with that. Just, you know, just make sure you point out that the stream's going on kind of thing, which I was more than happy to do. Um, so that was good. Because I like to, if, if there's anyone listening who doesn't read the blog, when it comes to spoilers and new set releases, I don't like just to throw pictures of spoilers up. I like to have a quick think about them and give a, some ideas about what they might mean or how they could be played, you know. So uh, that's that's the bit I find pleasure in, the, you know, the... Um, the what's, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, you know, the... the Flights of fancy, the brewing thought process. The, yeah, uh, yeah, I get what you're talking about. But in yeah. that analysis of it, mm. yeah, so that was really cool that they were, and I'm very grateful to them for letting me do that. Yeah, but it also meant that a lot more skin in the game for the stream as well, which I thought was a very clever idea on their part because they basically, by having the spoilers, secured my viewing for the big chunks of it at a time. Uh, and there you go there's my there's my last two weeks so you've been on the toilet watching netflix and i'll be playing tons of games yo yeah yeah 
All right, excellent. Uh, well, before we before we start, like tip the winkers to what's coming up in the episode. One last thing that we need to do. What's that? So the really bad tea branch from four weeks ago that we forgot to do last week. Last yes. episode. Yeah, we need to do that. So if anyone listened to episode fifty-three, we did a like a fun little game where we did food facts, and you had to guess what uh, card, what Dice Masters card, and subtitle influence the food fact and we did have a few guesses thank you for those who had an attempt nobody managed to get all four correct not not until i gave some extra cues by instant message and email uh, to help them out so i'm just going to do a quick roundup for those who are waiting to hear what those were but there's so many people dying to hear yeah yeah i think they're, they're, they'll all be out there in eager anticipation so the hogshead recipe that was inspired by bebop from teenage mutant ninja turtles and his subtitles Pighead. The chip shop, this is the one that confounded a lot of people, was Harley Quinn Batter Up. The uh, whiskey facts were Iron Man, Demon in a Bottle. And the Icelandic shark delicacy was, well, I basically accepted any answer that anyone gave me that was a King Shark card. Fair enough. Yeah. So there you go. I'm putting that one to bed. It's done. From here on in, folks, all daft quiz-related (laughs) <laughs> stuff we're going to play to our strengths i'm going to steer well clear of that and leave it in mr england's capable hands <laughs> in That's the future right. so wait for the next episode where it'll be food facts too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right then should we tell everyone what we've got coming up in the episode then my man let's do it let's do it okay so we're just going to do a very quick community focus for our uk listeners to let you know about an event and ex- uh, an event that we're, we're really excited to be involved in uh, coming up in november so we'll we'll give you the details of that then we have as promised our man on the ground reportage 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 way. Yeah, that stuff from Worlds, uh, which includes loads of interviews with the players, uh, interviews with the TOs, um, folks that are going on, and keep your ears out as well because there might be a special guest appearance in all that from our favourite Flowing Locked product manager. Oh, how exciting. That's exciting, yes. Uh, and then following that, we've got another special guest lined up. All things going to plan. We've not recorded it yet. Um, but we've got another special guest lined up to uh, come and have a bit of a natter about us, about the day's events. I say the day's events, the weekend's events, but specifically about the the actual World Championship Modern Constructed that took place on the Saturday and get into a bit of meta chat around what were some of the interesting cards, what were some of the interesting combos that were going on, what's it kind of telling us about the way the meta's going. So you should have your answers, Andy, soon enough. That is a relief. I'll tell you what, our guest coming up, we won't give away who it is, but... I'm pretty sure if you want a Yu-Gi-Oh factory set, he's got one going cheap. I'm pretty sure he has. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he has. Uh, we're going to run two or three. <laughs> Quick warning, folks. We're going to run a little longer this time to make sure that we can accommodate all that. But I'm sure you'll give us leeway with it being the World Championship special. Uh, but without further ado, we're going to jump into the community focus. This is London calling. Here is the news. Yes, that's right, folks. It's the news. The community focus time with the Ministry of Dice. Um, and it's very exciting. It, it, yeah, it is. So um, some of you will probably be aware that for a number of years now, there in November, there has been an event in the UK uh, down in Southampton, in Andy's neck of the woods, called Gaming vs. Cancer, which is a, a pretty much what it says on the tin. It's a charitable gaming event 
convention that takes place at Southampton University, where uh, groups of gamers get together, run tournaments, uh, driven by donated prizing and donated time from TOs and such like, and all the all the ticket money goes to uh, Cancer Research UK. Uh, and once again, this November, there's going to be Dice Masters at Gaming vs Cancer. Not just Dice Masters at Gaming vs Cancer, but the Ministry of Dice presents Dice Masters at the Gaming vs Cancer. Yes, absolutely. 2019. Yeah, 2000, absolutely, yeah. So, for those who are interested, uh, the event is taking place on Sunday the 3rd of November. Is that right? I think so. I think that's right, yeah. Sunday the 3rd of November. Be there, or be square. The event that's being run is going to be Modern Constructed, um, with little or no word on UK Nats, and the likelihood of us actually getting one looking pretty low right now. You could almost say... You could almost say that it is the unofficial UK Nationals Ch- Championship 2019. Yeah, you could almost say that for sure. So it's modern constructed, <laughs> unofficial UK National Championship. Um, it will be at the uh, Southampton University, uh, specifically, guard, I want to say Garden Court. I'm running off memory here. Have you... I think it's the garden room of the uh, University Students' Union. It's yeah, you know, room. It's bloody massive. It is. It's huge, yeah. Um, and it's got several rooms, in fact. Um, and a bar. Yeah, that does adequate pizza. Yeah. And cold beer. But if you are interested, if you um, if it's uh, of interest to you, you can pre-book your ticket on uh, Eventbrite. If you go to the Ministry of Dice's Facebook page, you'll find the event listed in there. It's got the precise address, start times, uh, a little bit more detail about the uh, format and the link to go and book yourself on to pre-book your ticket. We'd really love to see as many UK players there as possible, although sadly, folks... Oh. Sadly, folks, you're gonna you're only gonna be getting fifty percent of the Ministry of Dice experience. That's I'm, right. I'm not able to make it. The biggest voice in Dice Masters will not be there. <laughs> However, his uh, his often forgotten sidekick will be to host the event and make sure you have a good time. Yeah, the prizing uh, is looking. At, I am I'm I'm still contributing somewhat. So of course, I've been hustling around getting us some prize donations, and we already have had some very generous offers with some the usual standard. Were you planning on running the raffle? Yeah, I thought I was going to do the raffle. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> do you want me? Do you want me to satellite you in? Set up the screen. Face. Well, no, it. just um. Do you want the box? <laughs> well, we'll see because. You listeners are a generous sort. Uh, last year, we had loads of donations in to the point where we'd never touched the box because we had to use up all the stuff that had been do- donated for the charitable cause. Yes. So let's let's see what we can do. Call to arms. Let's uh, show these charity folks what Dice Masters players can do. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So um, uh, if there's any, uh, we've got quite a few sort of newer newer Dice Masters players around these parts in the UK who won't have seen some of the earlier promos, for example, some of the earlier OP kits and stuff. Uh, and they are starting to get in very short supply in the UK. Um, so if there's anyone internationally who's got a few spares that they uh, feel like they can donate for the cause uh, and to also help drive tickets because the, the better quality pricing we start to advertise the increased likelihood people want to come along and have a crack at winning them you know and uh, so let us know but we have definitely um i've got a cracking first place prize already lined up a cracking second place prize lined up i've got a great fellowship award kind of coming down the pipeline if it 
pays off and it works. And um, much more besides. And, of course, for last place, as always. Wooden spoon. The coveted Ministry of Dice. Wooden spoon. That's worth the trip. It's just on its own. Uh, yes, yes, it is. I said, the thing is, it's a family thing, man. I really want to be there. I just can't get out of this bloody family do. It's not you know, even. Like, this isn't even. This. No, it's not. It's, it's. It's not just wife points. It's mum points, dad points, me aunties, me uncles. It's a whole big do. My granny's going to be there. You know what I mean? Could you not host it at the Garden Court in Southampton University? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll field that idea. I don't know if I'll get much traction on that, but I'll give it a go. I am a pretty persuasive fellow. I'll Indeed. Let I'll let you know. But yes, yeah, so there you go. The unofficial UK Dice Masters Nationals, which we would never say that because obviously we're no, no, that's right. We're, we're not. We're not saying that it is the unofficial UK Nationals. We're just saying that some might say exactly. That's it. We won't want to get on the wrong side of whiskeys or whatever they've got planned, but. Yeah, some so, might say. Some might say. Some could say, you know, that it's the unofficial UK now. Could do a trophy, can't we? Yeah, unofficial UK now. Yeah, I'll look into that. I can't be as big as my trophy though. No, of course not. Of course not. 2017. What a year. What a year. What a year. Cool. So, All right. uh, well, yeah, yeah, there we go. in. Get your, your tickets bought. S, S, uh, and Andy will see you there in November, yeah. Yes, ladies and gents, here it is then. This is the world's coverage from our man on the ground. I think it's probably time. I've been referring to him as our man on the ground. I think it's time we, we let let the world in on who it is. He was doing our, our reporting, get, flitting around with a microphone, cornering people when they're tired and weary to <laughs> squeeze words out of them for our oral pleasures that one was for you ross so yeah andy may thank you so very much my good man yeah there's a solid there with all that uh, audio you're about to hear yes yeah uh some great content coming down the pipeline from andy he did a tremendous job for us on the day especially because he was competing as well we've sat tony uh who exactly but to give everyone the kind of ups and downs, if they're not aware, so the World Championship event took place at Graceland in Memphis, and it was over a three-day period, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There were four championship events that took place. There was a 10 in 10 event, a global escalation event, the actual World Championship, which was the modern constructed, and then a pauper event, uh, which took place on the Sunday, as well as numerous side kind of things, drafts and other exciting bits and bobs the uh the, what's the special draft called the, the preview, preview draft yeah now that oh, so the cards that were coming out of that very nice yeah i don't even know who actually won the, the two, they did two drafts over the weekend um but the, the the main kind of side event drafts were tomb of annihilation and mighty thor draft packs from what i understand mm-hmm. yeah uh, but we're going to focus primarily on the three kind of main events if you like um which was the uh, the 10 in 10 the global escalation and the world championship modern constructed um we, i don't think andy didn't send me any pauper related stuff over but i think on the sunday there was quite a few people started to sort of you know they had flights or trains yeah. or long drives and so started to sort of disseminate and didn't take part in the event which is perfectly understandable um yeah. disseminate's a good word 
Thanks, mate. Good man. Cheers. I do try. You do? It's nice. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, so we're going to start with the 10 in 10, the, um, the the stuff that Andy caught for us on the 10 in 10. If you're not aware, 10 in 10 is uh, all 10 of your cards on your team must be from 10 different sets. And it's a modern uh, format as well. So the, so the 10, uh, you've got a very limited number of sets to choose your 10 different cards from. Team packs and campaign boxes count as an individual set. And also, I believe I saw somewhere on a, on a f- format, description the promo cards counted as one kind of standalone set as well so you can only have one one promo card on your team yeah i think it's as long as it's not a alt art promo as long as it's not not oh yeah 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 so if it's part of a set but just a different picture yes yeah it took me a second to catch up with you then um, so uh, some really interesting teams. If you're interested to see the team list for this particular event, uh, you can head on over to DM North, dm-north.com. They've got uh, a world's coverage page, and in there there's links to uh, Dice Coalition team builder things. So you can go and take a look at the specific teams. I think maybe um, the guys over there have only got the top eights for each of the events so far, but they have got the team list for the entire tournament. Uh, but we have Andy having a chat with the two TO streamy guys, Ross and Steve. And then he has a little bit of a natter with the two finalists in the 10 in 10 tournament. So uh, is there any, I think we'll just, just get into Andy's stuff, shall we? Yeah, let's have a listen. Yeah. All right. Over to Andy. This is Andy May reporting from Dice Masters World Championships at the Graceland Exhibition Hall, and I'm here with Ross Foster. Hey, hey. All right. Um, Any comments on what you've seen so far? You've seen a lot of the same thing. We are currently in the 10 and 10 format, so I'm just curious about what's going on out there. Um, I'm 2 and 1, so maybe this is some spying information as well. A little scouting report here. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) So we've, we've seen three matches. We've seen... Lucan and Arge playing similar teams. Lots of uh, lots of Dreadnought love today, uh, which is is definitely interesting. Maybe not a card that I intended to see lots of, but it's definitely due for a, a resurgence, especially since single character lockdown and control is like sort of a more prevalent thing. And I wonder if that's partially due to us really not seeing much of Black Widow promo at Nationals. Maybe that carried over to here. Everybody assumes they're just not going to see it. Yeah, it was Nationals definitely was a surprise in the, I don't want to say lack of control, but I think the control pieces we were all intending to see, it wasn't necessarily uh, there, especially that agent card. So, uh, yeah, lots of Dreadnought. We've seen um, wide boards, um, you know, Dreadnought team up. See, we've seen at least one sidekick team with some Atlantis spam, you know, just really uh, having those explosive turns. So it's 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 been, uh, you know, not just a single character, single action sort of teams. It's definitely been lots of moving parts and, uh, you know, combos coming together. Yeah, I've been impressed with what I've seen so far as far as what I saw at Nationals compared to what I'm seeing here from 10 and 10 format. It's so much more developed and people have really dived dope into Dilled. it. Yes. <laughs> A lot more than, I feel like the Nationals event was an afterthought for a lot of people. You know, we just kind of threw together teams and we walked into it. And uh, this, it feels like people came to win today. It's true. And I I mean, the prizing here is outrageous. Uh, You know, super great prizing. A factory set for the winner of side events is, is bonkers. And, you know, Nationals, the... 
what, Justice Box had just been released, I mean, fairly recently before that. Yeah, maybe that. six weeks. Right, yeah. so people hadn't necessarily fine-tuned those pieces yet, or they were still using things that they were just curious about from that set. And I think here definitely is definitely more uh, a refinement of, the, of those sorts of things. Very cool. All right, well, we're three games into 10 10. I'll be back with more later. Oh. This is Andy May reporting back. I'm with Stephen Cookus and hashtag catch the cookus. We just finished up our 10 and 10. <laughs> the hashtag is not catching on. No, you're not I gonna, think, it's not going to get there. I think, you're, I think you're trying to slow it, really. But um, So Stephen's going to give us a little bit of insight from the judges booth and the podcast or broadcast booth as well here. Uh, what did you think of the teams that you saw today? I was uh, really impressed with the variety of teams that we saw. There were a lot more teams and team tweaks than I expected. I expected it to be very one-trick pony, maybe like two or three teams, but it was it was very varied. Um, and you can kind of see that on the stream. We watched five of the games, and there were five very different matchups. The last two, we got to really feature what I think we might see tomorrow, which is some Iceman teams. So that was really fun to watch. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of... I didn't see a lot of people preparing for Iceman either. I saw a little more rush than I thought I'd see. I thought I'd see in the 10 and 10 especially more control than what people put on their teams. Did you see anything that really negates that theory? No, I totally agree. I was very shocked by the fact that it wasn't all just burn damage because we've seen Dice Masters be burn damage centric for like one and a half to two years now. And uh, it's kind of shocking to have your very first world's tournament side event be almost dominated until the very end, or full, I should say, of, uh, of combat damage teams, you know, and things that looked to actually push combat damage or push attackers for winning the game. And a lot of those teams did really well because people weren't expecting that to the same degree as I think uh, some people were expecting Iceman. But even then, they didn't tech for Iceman all the way. So it was kind of interesting. Yeah, again, I think there was just a... I think we'll see a couple of control cards on every team tomorrow. I was just surprised in this format that I didn't see really anything control-wise. Half my team was control, so I was the odd man out. Well, I think there were control pieces on teams, but they didn't quite do what they needed to do to beat something like Iceman. So there there was, like, um, Black Widow Agent. Mm-hmm. That's a really good control piece, but it only reduces it to one instead of two. It doesn't negate it completely. So people often just won't reach for it, even though it's supposed to kind of be there to curb that sort of thing. So it's not the optimal uh, tech piece for Iceman specifically. Right. for all those one cost, like one damage pings. So. Yeah, I, I used it for range, really, just in case I ran into a range team. But exactly. Otherwise, I, I think I bought her in one game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any other final thoughts? I'm looking forward to this next event, which is Global Escalation, and definitely looking forward to the preview uh, drafts, which are coming up over the next couple of days. I'm super pumped. Should be a blast. Thanks, Steven. Ten and ten is done, and I'm here with the winner and the runner-up, and they were both running Iceman teams. So let's go to the winner first. Ben said Scott. Hello. Yes. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm a, a winner, kind of, but I'm also like for second, first to equal place. It's a bit of a weird final in that we uh, we both kind of tested together. 
and we kind of drew the match effectively. Yeah, that's one of the things I want you to make sure to talk about, how the, the controversial ending to this. Yeah, it's not so much controversial, it's just <laughs> kind of like weird, right? It's a bit like the vicious struggle games of old where like, can you kill, if you die, do you get to do your action thing, kind of? Basically, Iceman did damage to each other, therefore their abilities resolve. But because I was an active player, my Iceman did the damage before Nick's Iceman. But there's the same ability triggering at the same time. So it's kind of weird. So just to recap, Nick had one life left, and Ben had two life left, correct? Yes. And uh, Iceman attacked Iceman, and it was Iceman on Iceman crime. So everybody took two damage. It's just Ben's Iceman (laughs) came out on top in this one. Yeah, mine was a little uh, cold about that one, but that's how it rolls. Um, yeah, it was a, it was interesting. We at least didn't play the go-to Iceman team. We had some own, or some of our own little pivots. Uh, I put Hulk on my team. Of course, I never bought it. Um, you had the Parasite to pump up his D. Yeah, how much did you do that, though? Yeah, quite a lot. I think one of the things with Iceman is that they like opposing uh, people can ping Iceman before you can. So being able to buff him defensive-wise is really good. Um, even if you just buff like a psychic and attack through, you can get some early damage with that. Um, it's just another two-cost bolt, really, that isn't... I mean, I think we both ran Yellow Lantern Ring with Intimidate as our main kind of source for bolts. But Parasite was just another like option. Yeah, and oddly enough, uh, we both ran tech against Iceman the Novacore uniform and I think we were the only ones to run that and never saw Iceman again and that was the uncommon Novacore uniform yeah the uncommon that prevents damage from globals and villains if that ever comes up so anything that you guys saw that you really liked today anything that surprised you Um, yeah I really like the fact that there was kind of well it was a good mixture of teams but there was also like quite a lot of swingy teams quite a lot of like big fields um, trying to hit with multiple characters, which is kind of a playstyle I like. Um, a lot less direct damage. I didn't see a collector all day, which I was relieved about. I don't, I don't <laughs> like playing collector. I saw a couple collectors. Uh, I managed to get paired up really well matchings for me against three different venerable dreadnought teams, which I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of a resurgence of dreadnought, um, which is good for an Iceman team, right? Because if they attack and you only have Iceman, they have to do all the range to Iceman, which is a whole bunch of individual pings to Iceman during the attack step. Yeah, I mean, so I didn't see a wide variety. I know one of the other guys that came with me, uh, Hoff, came down with an Orc Knob and Staff of the Forgotten One team, which looked pretty cool. And it took him, I think, four and one. Yeah, I, I, I beat him, yeah. Yeah. Well, and needless to say, I'm going to test off my knob in the global escalation oh, yeah. here in a moment. Pat <laughs> did Ministry of Dice, the dice uh, joking there. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, I think that wraps it up, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah. so that was the 10 in 10 stuff guys uh, some fascinating insights there it, it sounds like everyone was already having a great time that early on in the event but then it was on to the global escalation Woo. yeah <laughs> so global escalation yeah. is a golden format which has an exclusion list and the exclusion list is um the u.s nationals team from 17 
18 and 19. The two teams that are in the final. Two teams in the final, yeah. Uh, I think it was last year's World Championship team as well. I think it's World Championships 17, 18, 19 as well. I think, I think it's all of them. All right, well, there's an exclusion list anyway of cards that you're not allowed to use. So it's golden, but with a with a, a, um, a ban list attached. Uh, unless, unless it has a global ability on it. Hence the name Global Escalation. Yeah, and that that's a real, you know, we talked last episode, if anyone listened about how we feel about Global Escalation, but certainly an interesting team brewing challenge this year because the range of win conditions does, for all my criticisms, I think it was pretty wide in terms of range of sort of team win conditions that uh, people can structure their their builds around and we've got um andy next sitting down with again the two finalists for the global escalation and i'm in a bit of a chat with them about how that went This is Andy May back with you with Nick Wally and Ben Scott. This is uh, kind of a repeat of yesterday. So we're going to talk about, well, yesterday's Global Escalation because I was too lazy to get on the stick yesterday immediately after Global Escalation and catch up with these two. They finished first and second again and in exactly the same order. So let's go first to Ben. What was your team all about and what were the kinds of things you saw along the way? Um, I just played a straight up Hope Colossus team. I wasn't particularly subtle, and then my main win, my main, not win, the thing that won me the thing probably was Nefarious Broadcast, which is the action which shuts off all globals for the rest of the turn. Um, I saw a bunch of PSG, which is very useful for the Nefarious Broadcast, <laughs> so then I could ramp a whole ton and they couldn't do anything. Uh, there was a lot of repeat stuff, lots of big kind of field stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know, it was just a pretty, pretty no-nonsense approach from me. I just ramped a lot bought some Ronins for defense and then hope just wait for the chip damage like Mad Jordan I literally just sat there for 10 turns and did two, ter- two damage a turn <laughs> and just was like okay I just held Ronins and static field back and he couldn't do anything because he had a swing team very cool yeah it was kind of the wild wild west yesterday Nick what did you see and what was your team all about um, I will admit, since it was yesterday, I don't remember a lot of the matches I played because <laughs> I went for the glass cannon turn three with my orcs. Um, I do remember playing Jocelyn, and the Blackbird Global put me uh, shaking in my boots. Um, yeah, so I ended up using the Blackbird to turn off the Blackboard so that I could continue to ramp and do all the stuff that I needed to because I mathed it out, and by turn three, I could... Well, on turn three, I would roll all eight sidekicks, two orc boys and two orc knobs. I would then fabricate uh, my boys four times to get eight KOs happening so that my orc knobs then have plus eight, plus 16, and then dance across the field. Um, And I brought a whole kind of tech to get there, PXG, Clayface, to get the ramp going, the churn right, uh, Doom Caliber Knight so that people couldn't blink anything back, Magic Missile just to ping out any sidekicks they may have fielded within the first couple, and then I could throw a little salt on the wound and ping my own Orc boys and get even more damage up because they just come right back. And so it, all in all, it maths out to be 24 plus damage by turn three. And there were some people that just sat back, looked at it, and like, well, that happened. Want to play again? 
because it was five minutes and done. I'll be honest with you. So I played your team, and I had no idea. I've played so little with the Warhammer stuff that I was just like, I don't even know what this is going to do, so let's see. And I had two sidekicks in the field, and you had rolling all eight dice at the end gave you plenty of energy to parallax as much as you needed to to get all your characters and still run a couple of magic missiles against me to clear the field. And yeah, it was devastating. Yeah, I kind of feel bad. I totally forgot I played you, Andy. But yeah. to be honest, <laughs> do you really feel like you played that. a game in that match? No, no. I fielded two sidekicks. I bought two things, and the game was over. So it was uh, it was almost as quick as the game I just played against Ben. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I want to shout out. I think it was Troy and Chris Club's team. They were both running slightly different um, non-character win conditions. So Chris was running the Mjolnir with bolts, and then Troy was running Satchel. Yes. Uh, and they were both pretty cool teams. Yeah, I played Troy, and mad props to someone playing Satchel, because that's just <laughs> that's just funny. Um, and we were discussing after, because he was one of the five minutes and over matches. And it was like, he looked and he was like, I should have brought the Mirror Global. And I was, it's like, yeah, that would have shut me down hard. But he didn't, so I got lucky. I think I might have still been able to pull it around. But he had some crazy stuff with uh, the rare kiln, so that he would just vacuum up all of the characters. It was he had a really cool team. I it would have been a fun match had he had Mira, and it would have actually been a match that lasted more than five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably the one thing that could hold you off. Honestly, I can't think of anything else. Did either of you guys play Shadow Melt's team? No. I got really lucky in some of the pairings because, well, I got a buy, and then weird things happened in the score tracking, and Ben and I didn't even play, and yet in less than 32 people we had two 5 and 0s. And so Ben kind of got it because I got a buy, and. <laughs> yeah, I played, uh, well, first of all, in Shadow Melt. I played that team before and he played the manticore thing where like the firestorm on your turn and you just kind of sit there and watch him roll a bunch of bolts until he kills you with one damage every like two rolls and you just sit there for like 20 rolls and just to clarify it's the the uncommon I believe pyro from uncanny yeah, x-men yeah. that yeah you pay one bolt and then you roll two dice and keep any bolt results that you get so he would create what could have been a pretty endless loop with Chewinga to make that happen. Yeah. Also shout out to Jake Hoffman, who I played in the final yesterday, the round five Swiss, who like dropped from second place playing me to like fifth place because of the rankings. There are so many like ordered things. Yeah. Yeah, Jake Hoffman's from Cincinnati with me and we practiced our global escalations one night, which was really the three of us from Cincinnati showed up to the game shop. We brought our teams. We realized playing it was not fun. <laughs> but we each had three different win cons that would win on turn three. Jake brought Green Lantern Green Rush, yeah. which you'll see today. Um, I brought the Orcs, and Henry brought good old Vicious Struggle. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't play that. I'm glad I didn't play that team. I'm glad I didn't play Shadow's team, and I'm really glad I didn't play Arge and... Um, 
who else is running it? Uh, Joe Vega team. Oh, yeah. Just garbage hella beholder stuff. Oddly enough, I played Jake's team, I played Joe's team, and I played Shadow Melt's team. So, yeah, uh, I was the mess up in all the pairings. That's how I ended up playing Eunuch at the yeah. end, even though I, was, I had already accumulated losses. Somehow, I rose to the top of the rankings despite my actual record. So, yeah, I played some tough stuff. But uh, anything else you guys have I'm just, on I'm yesterday? adding a really varied meta, actually. And I think all three of the tournaments so far, a bit of a spoilers for what's happening today, but everything's pretty varied. Yeah. Yeah, I see a ton of win conditions out there right now, and we'll talk a little bit more. I'm going to check in with Ross and Steven later and get their take on what they're seeing. But Did anyone even see any Iceman today? Yeah, that's full. I, I've seen Iceman actually in neighboring matches both times. So they're there. Yeah. All right. Great. Thanks, guys. I think that's enough for now. Oh. Yeah, so then, folks. Uh, well done to Ben and Nick for two champion finals back-to-back in the two events, and congratulations to Ben. So he was two for two on events at that point uh, by the close of the Friday. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, so taking away lots of lovely prize cards and factory sets for him to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> but the big event, the big day was on Saturday. And uh, not we've not talked about it a lot, but well, not, not a lot of people know that you were actually there, Andy. I was, I was. You might get a little bit of audio beat at the end. Yes, yeah, I think uh, uh, your time there was limited, though. Um, and the reason for it might become apparent when they hear the audio. Well, this is, when I read the don't turn up dressed in costume, I thought it said do turn up yeah, in yeah. costume. I thought it was like a bit of a you know, fancy dress party. Um, so it didn't go well. Yeah, yeah. And it, it kind of ended up cutting your world experience a bit short. But I'll let the folks make their own decision as to whether you made you know, the right move there or not. Uh, but in terms of the content there, Andy uh, has sat down with a couple of the competitors, uh, most specifically the, the top four, the top four uh, semi-finalists. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, semi-finalists. And I had a bit of a chat with them, as well as uh, one of, uh, an interesting player who did exceptionally well on the day. And even though they didn't make top four, we felt like Andy should sit down and have a chat with him because um, we're just really impressed with the way he performed. Uh, so uh, we'll let you hear uh, Andy's conversations with the with those guys. Oh. Hi, this is Andy May with more Worlds coverage from uh, uh, from Memphis, Tennessee, and I have with me Henry Zink. Fantastic. And where are you from, Henry? Kansas City, but we just moved to Tennessee. You did? Okay, so you're pretty local. Was this just a drive-in for you then? Uh-huh. Fantastic. So, what are you running today? My dragon team. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? I can get a gold dragon on my first turn with the Cree Captain Global and but first I use the Ring of Winter Global to get it. <laughs> Very cool. And then go in with Breath Weapon. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So what have you played so far against? Mm, mostly instant damage teams, really. Okay. So anything interesting that you've seen? Mm. No, not really. Okay. And you're having a good time? Uh-huh. Fantastic. Is this your first big tournament? Uh-huh. 
Okay. So do you, otherwise, do you just play at home with your dad? Uh-huh. Very cool. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Oh. Uh-huh. This is Andy May. I'm back here with Rob Levier, who's going to tell us a little bit about his world's team and his experience here. Hey, Andy. Um, yeah, I ran Iceman in this event, and I was using the combination of uh, Mjolnir, Global, Techno Global. Uh, had Shriek on the team, of course. Gotta have Shriek. Uh, ran Iceman, but I also used Collector, which I also ran in Canadian Nats. Uh, that way I could bring in something like song, like I had Songbird. I could bring in Songbird uh, to intimidate out, you know, uh, anything that was teched against me, like a Shriek uh, and uh, Black Widow Agent, things like that. Uh, Professor X, of course, to put sidekicks in the field, so I could do the uh, Mjolnir Techno Global combo, and it was quite successful. The team performed quite well. I had thrown brick on there just in. In case someone decided to shut down globals, I could buy some uh, throne bricks, bring those in, and of course I had magic missiles, my other action. And it ran really well. Very nice. And then you went to top eight, and who was your first opponent? I had to face uh, Matt Jourdain, fellow Canadian. And uh, yeah, that was uh, those were good games. Uh, he was running the uh, Atlantis action die with Wong, uh, sidekicks, fielding sidekicks, all that business. And uh, good team. Uh, I managed to get by him. Uh, Then I had to face Laurier, which he also (laughs) ran a very similar team. It was almost identical, except he had Insect Plague, which he could use the global to make uh, sidekicks unblockable. So he was, uh, yeah, he stomped me. Stomped me in game one. I put up a bit of a fight in game two, but... I did not survive. Yeah, his team was pretty tough. I think Ben's team was the one where he just ran out of answers, honestly, on the day. But he really had success with his team. It was wonderful. Yeah, Laurier did extremely well. And, of course, Ben did extremely well. Uh, Yeah, fantastic players, fantastic teams. It was a a good event. Cool. Any other comments on Worlds? This is your first experience with Worlds, correct? Yes, this is my first experience with Worlds. Um, All I can say is the people here are fantastic. All the players are great. Uh, The teams were amazing. Uh, There was a bunch of new guys. They said it was their first event. They play locally, not far from here, in Mississippi. They were all fantastic players. They had interesting teams. And those guys were, you know, tweaking their teams uh, even the night before. You know, they they were researching. They were, you know, listening to comments from these stream from Friday and yeah they teched against Iceman and things like that it was uh, it was good to see that it's good yeah. to see some some new you know new players it was good alright great thanks so much for your time alright thanks Andy back and this time I'm with Troy Miller who finished in the three and four slot there is no official three or four so uh, three and a half ish somewhere in there really nice work yesterday why don't you tell us a little bit about what you ran and how you thought the event went overall 
Well, first of all, I thought the event went great. It was a, it was just a wonderful day. I am so tired. I cannot move today. It's awesome. Um, I was running the Hope Boom Boom Yuan-Ti combo. Uh, my version of it had uh, superior intelligence to move all my two costs over and uh, a little momentum kicker on the back end just in case. Uh, it, was, it was one to have energy to use to superior intelligence, but also, hey, you know, to get that momentum roll and you get to roll a few extras and do like four bricks in a turn, that could be kind of fun. Uh, so yeah, it did, did really well uh, until until Mimic betrayed me. I didn't, didn't really buy Mimic all day, the, the four cost that has all the text. Um, and uh, it worked really well. So one thing I also want to mention that we haven't talked about at all, nobody went undefeated yesterday right. during Swiss. There were six rounds of Swiss to clarify. Well, I didn't lose. So, <laughs> so nobody was without a loss. Let's let's rejigger. Uh, nobody was without with without a loss, and I think the highest win total was four. Actually, too, yeah. I think somebody was four one and one. I think so. That might have been Ben. Might have been four one and one then. Okay. That was four zero oh, and two. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else you'd like to share with us? Um, I might have no brain left, but yeah, this has been really fun. And um, I do need to, I should probably uh, apologize to the, to the Ministry of Dice folks because I gave them a bit of, of slack for their, uh, their April Fool's joke that they did. Um, so I just want to say that right now here, because I'm telling the truth, right now here at Worlds, I am shaking Andy's hand right now, proof that Andy is here, and uh, hope you guys have fun. All right. Thanks, Troy. with you we are just getting ready for the popper format and i wanted to check in with the top four from yesterday's worlds i gave him a break last night because everybody was exhausted and so i'm here with laurier good morning how are you oh doing great and just tell me a little bit about the team that you ran and how everything went for you yesterday kind of maybe even what you saw that looked really fun and how your final match went with ben Okay, um, I ran a Wong Atlantis team, which was very aggressive. Honestly, one thing that worked really well for that is that so many people had focused on teching against Iceman. People didn't think about their wing cons quite as much. So that gave teams like mine a chance to sneak in a lot more damage than people would expect. So with the exception of Ben's team, which had set up a lot of ramp, where he could get tons of masks, I, I actually it actually went really well for me. I ended up top two, which I'm really pleased with. And honestly, overall, like outside of Ben who beat me, and he's the only one that beat me. Uh, I think all day except for Jacob once in top eight. Ben Ben was the only one that managed to beat me twice. <laughs> Got it. Cool. And so, what were you running along with the Wong? Did you have Insect Plague on that team then? Yes, I did. And in fact, that was a slight difference between, you might have noticed, uh, Jordo's team, Matt Jordan. I did not. Okay, he was also running that. He made top eight with it. And that was the only difference is that he went for Resurrection. I went for Insect Plague. We had tested together. He wanted the ramp and bag fixing. I wanted the secondary win con. Ironically enough, that, uh, that choice of his would have helped a lot against Ben, who kept shutting down uh, Supreme Intelligence, which was how I was prepping my Atlantis all the time. But... My choice of Insect Plague was better against Iceman teams because I could sneak a Wong through 
and they wouldn't necessarily expect it. Right, and just to remind everybody, Insect Plague has the mass global that creates an unblockable sidekick, so that's that's Wong. Exactly, because the Wong I was using was a two-cost with ally and fast. That allowed me essentially to just make a Wong unblockable that would be two to four attack. I could pump him because I had Haymaker as well, so that damage can sneak up on you, especially when you roll a lot of dice through Atlantis. Yeah, and especially even when you... I've played something similar before. Even when you roll the, uh, the Wong on a fist or a double fist, suddenly he becomes pumped for the other Wong that you have in the field or the other one that you rolled this turn. So Yeah, or he can also... Even a uh, double fist Wong can be used to just, say, buy a Black Widow if I'm out of dice to draw so that I can field her and leverage all those sidekicks into even more damage, which can get ridiculous in a hurry. Yeah, absolutely. Any final thoughts? Honestly, I had a lot of fun yesterday. I mean... I'm, I'm thankfully a little bit more coherent than I was at the end of the day. Oh my goodness, I was tired. I have, I, I'm glad I finally made it out here. It's great to put a face to, to the various names I've been seeing around in DM Unlimited. I'm glad that I got to meet people and have a lot of a lot of fun time playing Dice Masters. I am skipping Popper today to do some drafting. I hope you guys have fun. So, uh, cheers. All right, fantastic. Thanks so much. Oh. Back again. This time I'm with Ben Scott, and you finished first, <laughs> which is weird because you finished first in everything this weekend. It was fantastic. So far, so far, still pauper. There is still pauper, and I think that everyone's goal, mine included, is to make sure that you don't win pauper. Yeah, but I mean, a third Yu-Gi-Oh factory set. I know, it's it, tempting. <laughs> it's so, tempting. tell me about what you ran yesterday. Um, it was a well, I. Before the event, before the event, I just really wanted to do ramp. So I ran Mimic Ramp because it's the best ramp in the game. It's one I know how to play. Um, and then I was like, what can I do with that? And the kind of obvious answer was Green Devil Mask. Let me keep Static Field, use Professor X after I've attacked the Green Lantern. Um, so just working around that. And then the other key piece was kind of the Green Devil Mask, uh, which really kind of saved me a lot in the top eight, especially. So just posting that out there to avoid the larger fields. Yeah, right, you just get your Mimic Ramp going, so they kind of worry about you ramping so hard. They might try and shut that down, so you set up Green Lantern, uh, and then how much control they have to try and stop you, Green Devil Mask normally takes care of it and makes it really difficult for any team in the current meta to kind of try and play around. Especially against Laurier, who is trying to run multiple sidekicks at a time. Uh, that I didn't even watch the match, but how much did that sting him? Yeah, yeah, Laurier, like... I played him in the first round of Swiss, and um, I think he was a bit unsure about it, but I felt so confident about that matchup. It was just, I had static field as well to stop his any kind of way of getting out of the field, and it just flooded his bag all the time, uh, and it's made it really difficult for him to do anything against me, really. How did you deal with his Atlantis? Uh, I blanked the Supreme Intelligence Global and just flooded his bag. Yep. Yeah. He had, all the, he had all the sidekicks out in the field. He couldn't really do anything with them apart from attack give me more ramp and then eventually he had to just suck up green devil mask uh flood the bag that way or just try and i don't know that was just really difficult yeah so we've talked a lot about kind of what you saw and what you were using to control it what did you actually have on for a win con uh green lantern yeah so the green lantern when it attacks does damage equal to the number of masks which works really well because you can just hold the professor x ramp uh, that way, oh, I also have Kate Global, I also have Static Field Global I can use. Um, so it's just kind of a really nasty 
I can hold about five masks back and be comfortable using them all each turn on my opponent's turn. Yeah, outstanding. Anything else to finish up? Um, yeah, well, I'm glad top eight worked out well for me and Laurier did me a favor by knocking out the two ice men I faced in Swiss, <laughs> which were a really big pain. Um, and I had a lot of luck in the top eight yesterday, yeah. Outstanding. Yeah, thank Th you. Thanks so much for your time. So, congratulations, Ben Scott. Three out of three. Well done. Clean sweep. What an impressive performance, Ben. Well, very well done. Bet uh, they all hated him. <laughs> you know, I, I, he deserved it. He deserved it this year. It's not like the guy hasn't been like working on his competitive game and driving really hard for it year after year. So, it, it's right. Yeah, yeah, I've said it before. The most consistent in all kind of top end competitions he's been in. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it's very unusual. Makes you sick, doesn't it? <laughs> it's very <laughs> unusual not to see him in top four, though, is it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Very unusual. Yeah. Um, so well done, Ben. Uh, really proud of you. Great job, my man. Representing the UK, of course, even though you're uh, now an adopted son of the, clone, the colony. However. That's all great and well done, Ben. And we may even have a little bit more conversation on the subject of Ben coming up for you. Um, but the event had many people from WizKids in attendance. And our favourite WizKids representative was there. And I, I, mean, to, I mean to imply no offence to Chris or Kenny or even Justin himself, Big Jay-Z. But the hunker hunker burning love himself with the REO Speedwagon flowing locks, Jimmy Darwin O'Brien was there and was very kind enough to sit down with Andy on our behalf to talk a little bit about the fan appreciation event and where the game's at at the moment. So let's not delay that any further. Here's what Jimmy had to say. This is Andy May reporting back from Worlds and I'm with Jimmy O'Brien, who's who's here uh, to give me a little bit of his time in between all the madness of running these events. So, first off, we saw a lot of new stuff last night in the uh, in the WizKids Fan Appreciation event, and good work on the presentation. I'm curious about what's most exciting to you in the upcoming stuff. Uh, so, the first thing I want to kind of praise is the great turnout that we've had here at Graceland, and that... I've been able to be very hands-off, and the, the stream guys between uh, Ross and Steven been able to just make the event go smoothly for everybody, and everybody's having a good time. Out of the upcoming product, um, it's always tough because there's like certain cards that are favorites, but I probably haven't seen the best interactions for them yet, just because there haven't been there's been like dozens and dozens of games played, but not hundreds of games yet. And so uh, I tried to show off some of the cards in the presentation that I'm looking forward to, like Becky Lynch who's just going to be a, a bomb card archetype that people are going to play around. She's got Overcrush, the Windrider ability, beefy stats, and the uh, Group Hunters Chalkboard Global. 
and what we're probably going to see there is stopping attacks is going to matter a little bit more than it does right now. Uh, right now, we've got people doing, they're double or tripling down on preventing, redirecting, diminishing direct damage with Black Widow, Bishop, and Hope Summers. Um, then the blanking game with Shriek and stuff like that. Becky is going to be a different kind of threat that if she's blank, she's going to hit you in the head and you're going to have a big problem. So it'll be nice to see her shake up the meta. A lot of what I saw last night feels like there's a lot of big stats on lower price cards. So it it makes me think that the future might be a little bit more punchy, that we're going to be able to really get in there and start to attack more. Direct damage might uh, take a backseat, but what are your thoughts there? Uh, so you're right, but also when you kind of look at what WWE is going to do and then what the, the beefier stats on slightly less expensive guys for Avengers means is that you're going to have these guys with WWE and tag out, which is going to give them overcrush and beefier stats still. They're going to have somebody to go in and actually block them versus right now that if I try to block you know, the 10-10 the overcrush the WWE guy with my 3-4 shriek, I'm still getting murdered out there. And, like, I, I probably don't even want to block unless it's going to save me from losing the game because they're going to stay in the field zone to hit me again next turn. And I, I really need to answer that threat. But on the flip side, you're also going to have more interesting ways to answer those threats with people are going to be getting spun to energy faces. People are going to get re-rolled more often. And so you're not going to be able to preserve that beat stick in the field as reliably. Um yeah, it's just gonna it's gonna be all the same rules you know, just it's gonna have a different feel for how the metagame plays the matches. Yeah, and it it looks like a ton of fun. I'm very excited. But so off the future topic and to the present, what do you think about what you've seen today, especially with these worlds teams? So I've been a little hands off today as far as uh, keeping an eye on Dice Masters. I think some of what you're going to see is no surprise. People are playing Energy Fixers. People are playing the Professor X promo that we gave out. Um, I, I had only checked in really after round three or four, and I saw that like Jubilee was still doing pretty well. Um, some of the control teams were doing all right. What was at the top table most recently? Did you get to see that? I didn't because I actually went to get ice cream. Good for you. So. <laughs> Good for you on the ice cream, man. Um, but yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if you kind of saw uh, Danny Moonstar doing well, if you saw Iceman still doing well. Um, but it will, it'll be interesting to see what the, what the entire mix of the top eight ends up looking like. We're, we're about to have people get pulled for the preview draft, though, so that's going to be like the next exciting beat point for the evening. Yeah, and for anybody who hasn't read up on it can you just throw out a you know 10 second blurb on the preview draft and what it's all about yeah so we were probably a little bit vague online because we want to keep the mystery going but the preview draft is going to be cards from avengers infinity gauntlet with uh the reused dice stats and dice from the older sets so you're going to see blackwood you're going to see doctor strange you're going to see adam warlock uh we're not going to see guys like turk barrett yet but people are going to get to draft these and it's going to be a uh potentially balanced, but definitely unique draft experience where people are going to get these cards almost six months early and they're going to get a chance to draft them. They're going to be special prototype stamps so they're not, and they're going to have the old die uh, colors and symbols and stuff on them so they're not going to really match with the competitive stuff in the future. But just uh, a nice snapshot in time of you were here at Worlds and you got something really special for coming out. Yeah, it's a really fun idea. So one more big question. We played the 10 and 10. We're going to do the pauper format tomorrow, which I'm really excited about. Global Escalation sticking around, and people actually seem to be having way more fun with it than, say, Andy England. So uh, any other formats in mind right now? 
Uh, we don't have any plans for any other formats, but we would probably be looking a little bit more at what what makes sense to kind of promote for stores and kind of because uh, there's the great stores are going to do what people want to want to see and they're going to switch it up and they're going to be really flexible. The middle of the road stores like suggesting to them, hey, maybe you want to try this 1010 format out because people are bored with modern. Maybe you're, if your players are burnt out on draft, let them use all this stuff for global escalation. And so we're just going to be focusing a little bit more on in-store play um, ideas for 2020. And so once we get kind of reveal like what the OP kits look like and stuff like that, uh, people are going to have some more details. All right. Fantastic. That's about all I have for you. Did you have any other comments for the boys in the UK? Um, so I had teased to them on private message that we were looking at doing a European event, and it was like, oh, you know, always good, but it might be a little bit too soon. We're still trying to nail down those dates, and hopefully within the next two weeks, we start teasing out what's going on with uh, uh, national, cha- uh, national European championships for Heroclix and Dice Masters. Fantastic. All right, that's all I really have. So thanks so much for your time. Yeah, so thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for taking the time to uh, go on tape with Andy Forrest there. What some great insights. Thank you so very much. Uh, and of course, just on behalf of the community, our thanks to you for getting DM Armada and the Weekly Dice Arena involved so that the, the wider world, worldwide community could see the stream, get involved with what's going on, feel included, and for just generally looking after us. I know, I know we, we're sometimes a bit like the unwanted stepbrother of Hero Clicks. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you laugh, but everybody listening to this is a Dice Masters player is nodding right now uh-huh. when I've said that out loud. So, you know, just call it out for what it is, isn't it? Uh, so thanks very much there, Jimmy. Before we wrap up the world's coverage that was recorded on the day... What about Euronats? He mentioned Euronats, didn't he? Oh, yes, he did mention about Euronats, yeah. And I actually know, and you actually know what's going on with Euronats, but we're not allowed to say at this point. But by the time this goes out on Monday... Word might be out. How will it? Or yeah. m- might might it be indeed? Yeah, I don't know. It's one of them, and because of whiskers, like you know. Yeah, who knows? I'd be. I'm loath to. I'm loath to say anything further, yeah. in case it doesn't go out in time. By the time we go out on Monday, do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Euronats in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it'd be at least in like I don't know. Oregon. New Orleans, yeah, because then there's a bit of a Frenchy flavour <laughs> yeah. to it or something, yeah. <laughs> a bit of Parisian architecture, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, watch this space, folks. That'd be, if you're a European player listening and you haven't been knocking around on the Facebooks and, and whatnot, keep an eye out. It may already be out there, the information about your own apps. Yeah, so, you know, if you've uh, got the ability to put time off for uh, work with short notice... Shortish Maybe. notice. Shortish notice, then. Happy days. Let's, let's, let's see. Well, yeah, hard to say. Let's move on. I'm off, off limb. Yeah. Uh, but just to, just to wrap up the uh, live recording on the day, uh, there was one competitor that we absolutely had to hear from. We've already alluded to it. Uh, folks, I'd like to introduce Andy England talking about his experiences at Worlds. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Andy May reporting live from Dice Masters Worlds, and I'm here with Andy England. No, I, I, I'm not Andy England, man. No, I don't know what you're talking about. 
So, I'm here with Elvis. Uh, I, I'm not Elvis either. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, the gentleman I'm speaking with has been playing Dice Masters uh, in full Elvis cosplay. I, it, it, this isn't cosplay, man. This, this is just what I wear. <laughs> so, full ten and ten yesterday. It, yep, I, I I went zero and five all day. And then we went into global escalation. Yeah, I, I thought I was gonna do real good on that one, but no, no, my, my blue suede shoes just didn't help me. I I just got another zero and five. <laughs> and and today, what do you what do you have on tap for us for worlds, Andy? Well, you know, everyone was talking about nice man, but you know, I I, I like to collect things, so I I, I'm, I think I'm running a little collector today. All right, thanks for that preview. I'll see you later. Good luck to you. Yes, folks, welcome back, and we once again got a treat for you. Elvis may have been the king of rock and roll, but today we have the 2019 King of Dice Masters with us. I'd like you all to give an enormous congratulations and a very warm welcome to Mr. Ben Scott, UK's own champion of champions. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Ben. Thanks for coming on and having a bit of a natter with us. So everyone will have just heard the live recordings that were taken by Andy May on the day, and they'll have caught a bit of your chatter with Andy on the Sunday morning after the big event had taken place. But as always, never one not to seize an opportunity. We thought we'd drop you a line and ask you to come on, and you very kindly said you'd come and join us today. So, dude, just you know, from from me and Andy to you, we've all three of us have known each other and played competitively for a long time. Great job, man. You deserve it. You've worked hard for that, and it absolutely was your year. Yeah, I've played a lot of Dice Masters, huh? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, so if we just catalogue the titles under your belt right now, we've got UK National Champion 2016, is it? And officially on 2017. Is that all right? (laughs) Yeah, according to the win. Let's let's not go down that route. This is a celebration. (laughs) (laughs) We've got the Canadian National Champion 2018. 18? Or is it this yeah. year? 19? Yeah, 18. I won this 18. Year. Have you got another one? I feel like you've got another title under your belt. No. No? Those. Well, you have now, of course. You are the world champion. Dice Masters world champion 2019. Yeah, really well done, man. Super proud. I was watching on the stream, cheerleading you along. Yeah. It's yeah. exciting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, your head must have been spinning, uh, I can't remember any of the conversations I had with Andy, so <laughs> Andy May, so <laughs> Yeah, it was good stuff. It was just the <laughs> usual. I'll tell you what though, for, for, again for any of the listeners who are unaware, you're not just the world champion two thousand and nineteen, but you did you won a trio of events back to back over the Friday and Saturday. So the 10, yeah, 10, yeah. that must be I d I, I don't even know how to describe that. You you I said your head must have been spinning Sunday night because of the World Championship. Your head must have been spinning just in general. How many rounds of games in total must that have been? I think I won 21 games, lost one, drew one. Wow. That's a pretty good record. Across, that's across all three events? That's the Friday and Saturday, yeah. I mean, that's an exceptional game there, you know, just overall. Uh, absolutely the top of, your, top of your game. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't take too much credit for the first two tournaments the 10 by 10 and the, the 10 by 10 was the end was just weird and then the golden I, I don't know how i don't know how i did very well in that that was just a bit of a weird i avoided all the kind of turn three kill teams and then played against a bunch of pxg where i had nefarious broadcast yeah it was that 
Yeah, I did all right. Yeah, I did pretty good, but it wasn't all skill. <laughs> I did all right. I did pretty good. I, I only went on and won all three of the tournaments, but I did. <laughs> right. I did yeah. So humble. I love it. Uh, I've, I was out and about just touting it around, sort of claiming some contribution. I think that, you know, because you did a few practice games with me before, before the event, that I was probably a big part to play in that championship title. And in fact, I'm probably sort of the de facto world champion as a result of that. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think there's about uh, 20 people. <laughs> yeah, 20 people who are also world champion who helped me. All the online, I mean, all the online community, right? Like, I played a whole bunch with basically anyone who would play with me. <laughs> so, thanks very much to all those people. And yes, Chris, especially you, because you play me quite a few times. Yeah, well, thank you, man. Man, I, I was just going for the joke, but I, I, <laughs> I'm grateful for the sincerity. Cheers, dude. <laughs> so, if anyone's interested, the... Uh, DM Armada has got the stream games and particularly I think like uh, some of the final matches would be of interest to viewers so go and check those out on DM Armada. Ben you've also kind of done a little diary account of the weekend and that will be appearing. Not a on... little one yeah quite a long one. <laughs> I read it you sent it to me I read it word for word beginning to end um, yeah but I think people will be interested to know I think and some of the insights in there about wh- why you made the decisions with your team building and what some of the highlights were for you over the weekend and there was definitely a couple of bits that gave me a giggle as I was reading along so uh, that's going to be on CR Game Room's website crgr.rocks isn't it in the next couple yeah. of days um, so while we've got time with you I thought rather than sort of retreading some of that ground we'd sort of direct people out to there what, what I'm particularly interested in is talking about kind of the meta and what what this what this world championship this year kind of means for the game in the in the coming months particularly when we're getting little kind of spoilery nudges that there's going to be a, a European championship just around the corner so uh, I'll share with you one of my observations and kind of see what your thoughts were uh, so I was talking with James over at, our friend James over at uh, Dice Zach and Masters James and he was saying to and we were talking about the fact that some of the early rounds and some of the teams we've seen in the earlier rounds particularly in the world championship uh, win conditions popular cards were actually quite heavily from the blind product sets and it wasn't till kind of later on in the tournament we started to see a sprinkle of some of the newer campaign box stuff and i just wondered if that observation was something you encountered on the day in terms of the way people were choosing to build their teams and what kind of sets were coming through as popular there was a lot less X-Men than I thought there would be, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It's the main observation. Uh, it's difficult for me to judge that particularly, but I faced, like, all the Icemen. No one else faced all the Icemen, because I played them all. So that was, like, the, the I think the two main cards that I saw used, outside of Shriek, of course, <laughs> were Hope. I think Hope was on lots of teams for lots of different reasons. Yeah. And then a lot more Dreadnought than I thought there'd be. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so just to focus on the hope for a second, when you say a lot of reasons, you're talking, people were, what, copying bishops, copying cyclopses, Jean Greys? Yeah, I was actually really worried about the Jean Grey, but I didn't see that one time. But there, I mean, there was a plethora of different cards that people were copying with hope, and they kind of used it as a flex spot, made with Boom Boom. But also there was a Jubilee Hope team, which was kind of cool. Sure. Uh, which was Shadow Mel's team. Uh, just remind me, is that Jubilee from X-Men First Class or a Jubilee from the... The super, rare, the super rare one. Yeah, okay, sure. So you copy that with the hope and then you can do, when you feel the psychic, do double pings. Sure. Uh, and then Polaris was on Troy's team, which was really effective against Iceman teams. Um, sure. So hope was kind of used, and then Bishop was the obvious other one. Um, 
and then, yeah, I, I think there's lots of collectors as well, but not traditional collectors. I don't know how many non-wee collectors there were, but there weren't that many. There was a lot of kind of like, there was collector Iceman, there was collector Firefly. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that, that's quite interesting, I suppose, in itself, because you know the, the more traditional collector build, or certainly one of the traditional archetypes, was the US national winning team. Uh, so why do you mm-hmm. think people had strayed away from that? Yeah, I don't know. I think people stayed away from kind of the obvious things in general. So yeah, I don't I don't think it was a distinction between blind product and non-blind product, particularly. I think there was a good mix of everything. Um, I just think people didn't want to have their team teched against. Because I think actually, interestingly, there was quite a few teams which their main focus was on stopping people. Like Luca and O'Neill's team, uh, he didn't. I don't even know what he didn't even have a team that won. It was just like I can shut you down and stop you from doing literally everything, and then eventually <laughs> I'll win just because I'll stop you. Yeah. Um, and then Arj's kind of collectible didn't really have that kind of same. I'm going to stop you. It's gonna. I'm going to stop Atom particularly. Yeah. Was Arj playing collector on the day? No, he was playing a Green Lantern build. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, there were a couple of Green Lantern builds, just none of them had ramp. No one had ramp, apart from me, yeah, which was... And Patrick Barley had dynamic ramp as well. Everyone was relying on, relying on Clayface. Yeah, um, for sure. And so, um, I suppose what you're putting out there is that, you know, the, the relying on Clayface isn't enough, that actually you need to, you need your big handfuls of dice to get you to where you want to be. Yeah, I mean, I was just like, after the playing Atom, I was just like, I don't want to play... Without rolling a bunch of dice, I don't want to deal with just rolling five dice a turn. I'm doing perfect churn every turn. I just want to roll all my bag every single turn. Yeah, for sure. I suppose you could argue that the Atlantis builds that that, that did well in the you know in the modern tournament, they were in the top eight, uh, or a couple of them were in the top eight. That's kind of rampy churny, isn't it, with the pulling your dice through? That is true, but it's not like it's too. Fra- I, I just found it. I think a lot of the aggro teams, the problem with them. The Atlantis team and the Iceman team is they are very fragile. And yeah. if you kind of break that flow, then don't know, it's, it's it's easy. Whereas Mimic, it's it's really hard to break Mimic flow, even though it's just a one defense character, you can ping it off. Most of what they're doing to churn through the bag is happening on your turn where your opponent can't really do anything about it. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, saying that, Atlantis did super well, so... Yeah, it's that shock and awe kind of approach, isn't it? Of just, bam, oh, you weren't expecting me. Uh, you know, Andy, you've talked about this before, about that uh, using... Um, I think it was when you were talking about the fetid bloat drone that you can sort of catch your opponent with their pants down because they're thinking, I've got another turn yet, but they haven't because you've just, you know, you're doing your churn live in the moment. Yeah, anything where you can kind of pull it through and... And roll it that turn, like Investigation or Samantha Wilson yep. with Spot yeah. to make it double. Anything where you can buy something and potentially get it through and hit them the same turn is strong because you don't know what's coming and you can pick what best suits. Yeah, use. I mean, it's really interesting that mine and Laurier's team got to the final because we probably were the two teams with the most ramp and the ability to kind of get through exactly what we needed the next turn or the same turn in the case of Laureate. Yeah. Uh, also, um, so one of the kind of debates that's going on in, in the game meta at the moment, which I think the two final te- finalist teams uh, sort of illustrate is that there's a bit of a, uh, a standoff at the moment between the direct damage, pingy, uh, you know, more spammier kind of ways of killing your opponent 
compared to the one turn kill big hit or the two turn you know, two hits over a turn and it was almost like they were the the, the uh, almost represented that debate that you know your Atlantis team is about just filling your field bumping them up with black widow and coming across hitting for 10 rinse and repeat whereas the green lantern or certainly the way i i observed you playing it on the stream was more about right slowly slowly catch your monkey don't sweat it do three do three do three just stay the course keep it consistent yeah i mean i think the the thing about Green Lantern, which is kind of why I chose to run it, is it can do both things, right? It can just do a big 20-point mm. smack you in the face to turn. I mean, I never, I literally in the whole tournament never got to do that because I was always, for whatever reason, on the defensive, mainly because sure. Iceman and the Atlantis teams are more aggro than my team. Yeah. Um, so I had to play that way. But, yeah, no, I, I, think, I, it, I think it was pleasing that the Atlantis team did so well. And kind of there was a an element of combat damage with the Venerable Dreadnought that you could kind of swing through these kind of big characters because that's kind of like how I like to play generally. The Green Lantern just gave me the ability to do both, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so it was that kind of versatility within the card that made it attractive to you. Interesting, though, you mentioned before, like more Venerable Dreadnought around than you expected. Uh, I'm going to assume that you, you didn't expect to see it quite as much because there are, you know, you you your promo black widows of the world floating around um, yeah and it's not i mean it's it, it also relies on you having other characters to swing through with right as well and stats in general have gone up on defense which is why something like gold dragon i don't think it's viable anymore yeah but on attack they haven't really gone up that much no um so you're still kind of if you get dreadnought out you're, you still need like a switch on top level a shriek on top level and like 10 other sidekicks or 10 other damage <laughs> yeah. somehow um so it was good to see um and black widow yeah black widow shuts it down so hard that's kind of one of the reasons i didn't run iceman as well is because when there is such a hey this card stops that card then like nova Corps uniform uncommon then it's much less tempting to play it right which Green Lantern doesn't really have a, a thing that does that to it. Actually, no. it does, but no one plays it. So. No, sure. Although would, uh, Black Widow would... would Is it the, char- the character themselves that deals the damage? <clears throat> it would. It would stop it by, by one. But if I'm attacking with two characters with five masks, and I'm doing eight instead of ten, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. But Although, the five plus Wonder Woman stops it. But, yeah, because it's one in the whole Does the five plus Wonder Woman Yeah, so when it attacks. Yeah, it gives... Justice League when this character attacks. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So it's just kind of. Yeah. All right. I didn't realize that. Mm. I didn't. I didn't think. Yeah, now that I told everyone. Huh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's all right. They'll all be listening on Monday after we've all played in the rest of the worlds on Saturday. So. <laughs> so take that in. Oh. Yeah. I'll be adding it now. <laughs> oh, my team. My team for rest of the world is a bit. A bit more. Are you doing your? Are you doing your? Um, Ujim, what's it? Your 40k guy. Um, yeah, Lord of Contagion, Dreadnought. Yeah, it's a, it's a good team though, man. I love it. It's got that right kind of wombo combo jank. It is, it. yeah. It's, a, it's a, just a big dude's hitting pretty fast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Can't take my collector team though, can it? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yeah, no. I was really surprised there was no collector nobbies. There was one, I think. Yeah, well, that surprised me. I mean, it's it's no secret to anyone who listens to the podcast or any like you guys who I play with regularly that that's like my all-time fave. I may even play it on Saturday, um, although I messaged Andy earlier saying I'm wavering a bit on it. Um, 
So yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. I suppose there's something of a uh, equally if you're saying you know there's a vulnerability in Atlantis that if your Atlantis dice falls through, don't roll it or get stopped by a Scarlet Witch or whatever, you're in trouble. Iceman, he it's a single character win condition. You're vulnerable if you lose your Iceman. Collector Nobby is kind of vulnerable if you lose your Collector, isn't it? It's like I think people are. Uh, one thing I was also noticing was that pivots or alternative win conditions seem to be very popular. Through. Well, yeah, one of the things I was upset about is that I'd never played a collector. Well, I played one collector team, but I, he never got collector out. But I was really upset I couldn't use the rare morph to copy their collector and just <laughs> beat them with their own collector. <laughs> yeah, that's a sweet move. And that, that, rare, that rare morph is just like a really, really good pivot piece, which is why I put it in my team. Because all the abilities right now are generally well active. Yeah, and I mean, I know you were using your mimic for ramp, but the uh, the campaign box mimic, flying blasting Sassian, that's one of the lovely, lovely little cheeky elements of his card is that he may be a, a, a repeated KO that can be super beneficial, but sometimes, just sometimes, you can end up robbing the thing as well, and that's a nice little. Yeah, I kind of messed up um, Troy though in our match in the top four because he copied my shriek and he just had this mimic stuck in the field because. Yeah. Kept blocking with sidekick. So he had this really good KO control piece, but he just couldn't get it out of the field. Yeah, for sure. So possibly sometimes better. I suppose it depends what you're targeting, but possibly sometimes better just to have it rolling on masks in and out of your prep area. As a yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's one of the problems with it against, like, the problem I had when I ran it with my Atom team was that um, when I played Arj and he had Wrecker, I didn't want to take the risk of my Mimic copying Wrecker's stats. Yeah, and then there being two records out in the field. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. So its greatest strength could also become its greatest weakness. Yeah, I tell you what, though, talking about uh, you just made me think of something in uh, while well, you were talking about you know big setups, getting big walls, venerable dreadnought, uh, Atlantis needs big teams. I don't think anyone would deny that the MVP of the day was Green Devil Mask. Yes. In the top eight, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was it was a, certainly a big feature of the quarterfinal, semifinal, and the final itself. Yeah, I mean, that was the one piece that I kind of tacked on relatively late that worked out really. It was probably the best change or late change I've made to a team ever. Yeah, it was it was it did a lot of work for me for sure, and it never missed really. Uh, in my top eight against Ian Porter. I uh, rolled one through a shriek, a uh, scholar witch. Sorry, he got so he was he had a collector team. That was a collector team I played, and like he was really worried about it. So he like got rare blob out, tried to get that out. Uh, missed rare blob. He got scholar witch to stop it. Um, and uh, I rolled it through the scholar witch. Then I attacked with a question, and then rolled a second one out into the field. So he had this rare blob, this scholar witch, the bishop. And a shriek. All four of them rolled twice. They all went to the use bar and I won next turn. So yeah, it was definitely it was definitely uh, won me top eight for sure. Yeah. So Green Devil Mask is just yeah something else. It's been a been around to. Um... It's been on the edges, isn't it? I've never seen it been continuously used. It always puts a scupper in anything other I play. So I was quite happy that it doesn't really appear much. But now it seems to have brought itself to the fore which is great. I mean, I think you, I think the, the reason that I don't think a lot of people ran it at world is because Iceman doesn't really do, doesn't really need any more than one character, maybe two. Yeah. But every other team relies on having more, especially against green devil mask. 
against Green Lantern mimic Shriek, where I kind of have like a bunch of ramp they want to stop as well as a Shriek they want to stop. They need to get a couple of pieces out to stop me. Yeah. Yeah, um, sure. And then that just pushes, especially with the rare morph. Um, if I can get rare morph out, then I have a, like, another piece that I can use to control them. Uh, which means they need another piece to stop me from controlling them. Which means they have another character in the field. Yeah. Um, I think I think a lot of people are using sidekick strategies as well. Even if your team isn't sidekick centric, you see a lot of kind of PXG floating around because it's mimic ramp or they're using it to line up an energy fixer. So it's not it's not hard to to find your opponent in a position needing four four dice in the field and having to. And the only real way to stop it is just to trigger it and hope for the best. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, with Laurier's game, we were playing the kind of wonky rules where all the stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's even more effective now without with the proper ruling that we didn't yeah. use at Worlds, um, where dice don't go into straight to the use; they go into transition. Um, That's right, Ben. So when you use a dice, you put it in transition. Everything else, then, yeah. you put in used. I don't want to argue. Laurie told me that at the first, in the first round, Swiss, he's like, this is how it's ruled. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I don't really mind. So, yeah, he was playing with that rule, and he, uh, I still did okay against him, so it was fine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I don't, yeah, I've, I mean, I just think Scarlet Witch is going to come back with a vengeance. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think in terms of meta response, Scarlet Witch is going to make a comeback uh, for sure. If Venerable Dreadnought's back on the scene, I think. Black Widow is going to make a return to deal with that. Uh, Shriek ain't going away anytime soon. So, yeah, your control pieces are going to shift a bit. Yeah. Like, what control do you bring? And then do you just focus on... Because Lucan did, like I said, Lucan did all control pretty much. And uh, he drew too many games to get anywhere. Yeah. That's kind I of mean, the problem, with, especially with the, the, the single round of Swiss 30 minutes. It's just not enough time to play a game with Dice Masters. Yeah, so I can speak to that a little bit, um, you know, because I think you two are are much more kind of aggro and I'm much more control. I think you know, that's well well known. Um, and the the thing with control is, yeah, it has to factor into your win condition. One of the reasons why collector collector control kind of works is because your villain control dice, as well as the control value they're bringing, they also contribute to the size of the damage that your nobby does because they're all villains. You know, it's the same with bard. The reason why Oracle and Elf Thief and, and that, um, you know, the tax control that that was doing worked because the Bard then turned them into not just control, but you were getting the, the value of them as a competitive piece. So I think the challenge a lot of teams like Iceman face is that they're putting control in, but then they're also trying to put the stuff to optimize their win condition. And the balance is a bit kind of skewed because the control doesn't actually help you contribute to the win condition. I think. I could be very off the mark there. You two would probably know better than me, really. No, I think but, that's right. I yeah. just think that I, I was surprised. I was surprised, actually, because that kind of a similar job to. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know. But I guess most of the control is villain stuff, so. Um. Yeah, I think it is, isn't it? I mean, if you th- your you big headline control, uh, Shriek, Scarlet Witch. Blob. Yeah, Wrecker for Globals. So possibly the case. Although I think there's the stuff on the scene now. X-Men's got a lot of control in it. Yeah, I mean, that, that Hope-Polaris combo with Troy 
Well, I I think the thing was is it it was the aggro teams that tried to be aggro outside of the sidekick teams really struggled. I, the ice men that kind of got to the top eight were ice men that had kind of a secondary either win con or some kind of flexibility. So I think they had the flexibility, um, whereas the teams that just went hardcore aggro kind of stalled out. So it was mid range. I mean, mine was capable of abusive um but also being really really defensive with the static field and the green devil mask yeah so i think you needed that kind of balance really unless you uh because no no teams i don't think outside of the sidekick teams and like god rolls can't really win on turn four or five no but again that's an example of you know your green lantern team the your dice that you're selecting for your control can also contribute to your win condition because if you get your green devil mask out great you're controlling your opponent's field size if you whiff it a roll a mask or two well do you know what that's all just plowing yeah, into still ramping yeah damage yeah yeah so it's another i think that's and no that's, such thing as bad rolls well i don't know mate. you have to do yet is to make your team where even bad rolls are good rolls. Well, I'll take that on board. I don't think I'll ever crap that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you're right. The, the meta is going to have a little bit of a control shift now in response to Worlds, perhaps, where you will, like you say, Scarlet Witch is, gonna, is ready for a comeback in light of Atlantis and Green Devil Mass being popular dice. And I think maybe Promo Black Widow might make a comeback. Because you're better off halving the direct damage, at least, aren't you? Yeah, but I think Green Devil Mask is just way too strong. I think that's the kind of problem is that, well, Green Devil Mask in itself isn't strong. People's fear of Green Devil Mask is too strong. People are really, really scared about triggering Green Devil Mask. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I've been playtesting against it recently uh, in, in some of my practice games for Saturday. And it, it really, the game with Green Devil Mask, it appears to be, to me, um, although I'm not, I'm not great at it. I'm not saying I've mastered it or anything, but um, it's kind of lining up, just field the sidekick, trigger it, get it out of the way, and then follow. You know, it's just about kind of sort of yeah. working around it, isn't it? Um, you should trigger it as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Just get it done. So people are worried because they, they, yeah, I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but I was playing a game, and I, I hadn't even bought Green Devil Mask. All I had in the field was a question, and I didn't ever try and buy Green Devil Mask. But all game, they were like trying to play around only having three characters in their field because they knew I could buy a double mask, have a question, and maybe there was a you know, 25% chance. Yeah. Yeah. Rolled out and rolled out. I think, I can't remember who I was talking to, I think it was Lucan maybe. He was like, everyone has that memory of them rolling green double mask stuff and it all going to use and you lose the game. Yeah, I definitely can. I could. Which is what happened yeah. in. Uh, in, in top four against Troy, I mean, he he was dominating that game. And then he missed a roll where he missed two thrown bricks. So he lost his ramp. And then the next turn, he rolled basically all his characters out into use. So he had this massive bag with Green Devil Mask now lost in the game. Yeah. But the, the, the key to that, though, is going right back to the sort of beginning of our conversation that without your Mimic ramp, because you were in a position to churn that Green Devil Mask back super quick or use your yep. question to uh, try and gadgeteer it in so you, you were optimized to make sure that it, it never would because uh, again you know i was play testing against it the other night and i just triggered it got it out of the way just maybe i wasn't quite where i wanted to be because i lost a character that i might have liked but i had a few in me 
in my reserve pool ready to field to you know at least put me in a half decent position but it sort of disappeared into the bag then for two turns yeah and then that's generally another good thing about mimic because if they use green double mask most likely you're going to trigger green double mask by fielding a sidekick which is going to prep two dice so you do it you do it but you still have some ramp yeah and then you have a 50 50 chance on losing your mimic but yeah um and anyway and the, the moral of the story is trigger it as quick as possible and most of the time you'll be okay yeah, there you go. And the one time you you're go. not, you'll lose, but there you go. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for the hints and tips and the little message. <laughs> you, can, you can lose one round in Swiss. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and still become a world champion. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, Andy, I know that you had a question for Ben. Um, yeah, I was thinking more in regards to the, the amount of different competitions that you've played. So you've done four UK nationals two canadian nationals one us and one world is that right or did you do there's one for uk that sounds about right maybe the five uk did i do there been five uk maybe only four i've done all the uk ones there are yeah i've done two canadian two worlds one us yeah yeah so i was just to ask her how do they compare how would you compare between the different kind of events, the, the players, the venues, um, and how you thought they differed between the, the different ones. I mean, I think last weekend, well, whenever it was, two weeks ago, whenever, whenever it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was two weekends time, as, of, as of this Graceland was by far the best event. That's hardly unsurprising. Yeah, for sure. Because it had such a variety of contests um and like all the people who were there was really cool and all the prizing was really good um i really really dislike north america's obsession with single round swiss because it's it's just the worst play to play game it's just disgusting so in that respect i like uk better and then uk games expo was uh obviously my favorite probably board gaming event but all the other ones have been at board gaming events so it's kind of Hard to compare, like Origins and Pax Unplugged were both really good, but UKG has a soft spot for me. Um, Player-wise, I mean, I think it's really varied. There's, It's difficult, right? I mean, Canada was really small, but two of the people, the top two Canadats were in the top four of Worlds, so they were obviously some of the best players. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's been and then UK has uh has Andy and uh some other good people, Mike. <laughs> and the and forward, some other good people. <laughs> you know, no, but there's like a bunch of good people there's a there's a bunch of good players everywhere. Do you, the did first, you find that? the first US Nats was really, really aggressive. Uh I was surprised by how willing people were to attack. Uh no one in the UK people in the UK play a bit more conservatively, for sure. But again, that probably is down to the single rounds of uh, Swiss. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. I think, well, I was going to say, but before this tournament, the people in the UK generally had more varied teams, for sure. Uh, that's also because we were generally the first event to trigger. Whereas, but then Graceland had really wacky teams. So I don't know. The team buildings kind of got a lot more mixed and modeled as the meta's kind of been a lot more diluted. So I don't know. 
Well, what a what a measured and diplomatic response. <laughs> UK is the best. Woo! There you go. Thank yeah, you. That's what we were after. <laughs> i've observed that though that you, know, you look at the team list in the uk you think oh what's all this stuff going on here but you're right it's the first one there's nothing to judge it by is it we were all just um although i was about to ask although i think you sort of answered it you know is the meta game differently from sort of location to location and i think i think you sort of answered that that the uk is a much more conservative meta game thorough best of three kind of place whereas the US or North America is much more aggro. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I, I mean, I know like lots of people, that, I know a lot more people as well, so it's kind of hard to judge, but like there's just the normal kind of obvious differences, like there's less smack talk in the Canadian Nats. Because <laughs> they're also the US like... Nats. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, that's, that's kind of true, but also kind of, I don't know, I talk a lot of crap anyway when I play, so. <laughs> yes you do <laughs> like I think who was it someone got uh, maybe it was Laurie in the first round of Swiss I was I was just like I, I, I had I had a song in my head and I was singing it or whatever while we were playing um, and, he, and was, was he was like he was like what are you doing <laughs> why are you singing are you trying to distract me and I was like oh no it's just me being I don't know just stupid just because you're um, hanging out, playing games, and trying to enjoy yourself. And you that's one of the things. Head. One of the things I noticed the world's quite bad. I won't mention any names particularly, but in the first round of Swiss, like along the table, you could see people being really, really nervous. And I think even into the later rounds, you could see people like hands shaking when they were playing. Really? They didn't want to mess up. Yeah. And I was just like, I, this is just so normal for me playing like, uh, like a world's event. Like I don't care. <laughs> wow! Um, wow! And yeah, I, I, I do stuff. I do stuff like talk crap to my opponent and like mess around their cards and stuff before we set up. Probably isn't very sportsmanlike, but well, I, I talk crap and I sing songs and have a good time and have a beer while I'm playing. Well, so yeah, you like at UK Nats, right? Because I know I'm never going to win. <laughs> <laughs> like at UK Nats, I'd like do stuff like steal one of Seth's cards and hide it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? like just something I do uh, just to wind them up but I don't know maybe it's a British kind of thing yeah or uh, another classic that I've seen happen at UK Nats is flipping the person's flip card when they're not paying attention <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> although actually I've just said that out loud I did have a kind of a moment at UK Nats last year where um, there were some people chatting behind me and all sort of crowding around because they'd finished their games and I had to sort of turn around and say, do us a favour, guys, just give me a minute. Um, <laughs> but I was one and one and the individual I was playing, I really wanted to beat. <laughs> 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 and I know that you two both know who I'm talking about. Uh, I think they're much better sports uh, much better sports over here in terms of telling you, no, nah, maybe not, maybe that's not true. But Craig Hubner... Like in the so him and Troy in the top um, top eight, they drew so Troy drew the game up after in turns, so they had to do like that stupid sudden death thing. Yeah. And uh, Craig essentially told Troy how to beat him, like in that death match thing. Really? Yeah. Like he was like, oh, you remember you can clay face there, like you have enough to beat me because you can get an extra energy. What a ledge. And I was like, I don't know if Chris would have done that for me. Who, me? 
Yeah. No, I just sat there staring at you. Sat there staring. Yeah. <laughs> Probably sit my beer and sang blue suede shoes. When I went to Wales, I, I witnessed some underhand little psychological things that people were doing. Oh yeah, the mind games. Oh, there's too. all the stuff about the intentional draws. Yeah, there was none of that this year or the previous year at Worlds when I went. I think a lot of those kind of players have uh, have left the scene. Yeah. The, the more yeah, casual. intentional draws are just like yeah. There were a lot of draws at Worlds this year, but literally none of them were intentional. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting insights. Thank you very much, Ben. But UK's best, of course. UK's best, yeah. Good. All right, mate. Well, uh, I'm looking at the time. I think you've you've got plans. Yeah, I've got 15 more minutes if you need me for anything else, I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, the, the segment's pretty long right now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, just uh, once again, dude, congrats. You know, really. Yeah, top-notch. Thank top-notch. you, yeah. yeah. And I, I think uh, you know, many of us who, in the community... You know, we've all been around for a while. We we all agree. You know, you absolutely deserve it, man. You the the practice and doing your reps and getting your head around your and team. Arch really. cheating last year to take the victory from no who was it? Lucan Lucan with the stupid fix it team. <laughs> yeah, unfair. Totally, I should have been it for, for last year previously. <laughs> Finally, but you're always <laughs> up there. Always up. There. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I just I, I I'm good at staying alive. I think like literally this tournament was literally I just I could stay alive better than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here, folks. First, you know, there's there's the strategy. Just stay alive. <laughs> well, I will kingpin us there. We are we are cracking on a little bit. But thank you for very very much for making the time for us today, Ben. Yeah, anytime. Thank you. Well, sadly, folks, as all things must, this episode of the Ministry of Dice has come to an end. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording it. Although we didn't really do much of the work this week. That was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had to just kick back. If everything did go according to plan, because we're pre-recording this outro right now, our thanks to Ben for coming along and having a bit of a chat with us about his experiences on the day and about the meta in the World Championship and whatnot. If things didn't go according to plan, then thanks to whichever alternative second choice we managed to rustle up in time... <laughs> we're going to struggle to get that second choice in yeah sure absolutely uh, pretend I can put on a Ben voice yeah okay yeah well one way or another we'll have figured it out Um, so and we hope you enjoyed thanks to Andy for gathering up that audio I'm sure you'll all agree with us that he did a tremendous job and the firing of Tony was justified who's this Tony exactly yeah we've got a we've hired in a better skill set now uh, and thank you, of course, to all the competitors on the day who were happy and willing to um, have a microphone stuck in their face by Andy and ask questions. You know, we all, anyone who's listening who's played in a competitive event knows it can be quite draining <laughs> by the end of the day. Yeah. And to string sentences together can be a challenge. So we're, we're very grateful that you all took the time. Uh, and of course, Stephen Ross and Jimmy as well. Um, so that, that concludes our World Championship special episode. I don't, is there anything else? Don't forget about Gaming versus Cancer if you're in the UK. And, of course, uh, international players, if you are in a position to make a donation to help us out with the prize pool, um, then please do let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget about the YouTube channel. We've been, even though we've, our live streaming setup is uh, kind of gone a bit awry. <laughs> Getting right, yeah. I've got, we've got some uh, instructions on how to do it. And, 
they might as well be in Japanese. Um, yeah, well, I think some of the brand names that were mentioned were Japanese. Um, yeah, we're still recording the games, and you may have noticed that we've been posting those just a standalone recorded game. So if you're interested in uh, what have we done lately, we've done some single affiliation, some modern constructed. Modern constructed. So yeah. yeah, jump on over to the channel and take a look at those. Also, don't forget BritRoller6.com articles and interesting whatnots that that we just decide to write about and post. Um, so there's the stuff coming out, but most specifically, um, there's a, a collection, several posts as they, I, I was literally, as they were coming out through the day, getting spoilers out. So if you want to go have a look at a few of those posts and uh, by all means, any of my thoughts, if you've got any, any comments of your own, just throw them in the comments at the bottom and we'll get in touch and let us know. Don't forget Catch the Cookers. So on the YouTube channel, we are slowly but surely making our way to 100 subscribers. Once we hit 100 subscribers, I'll do a raffle for the 2015 signed Eric Lang Art Professor X card. Not the 2005 that I said in the last episode. Uh, that would have been interesting, seeing as that the game went around then. Uh, we are currently on 77 subscribers. Oh, wow. It's gone so up a little bit. There. We've got, yeah. gone up another couple since the last episode. So we've got another 23. Yeah, 23. Yeah, 23. I, I do maths. Good. Good maths. Yeah, good maths. Uh, 23 uh, to go. Oh, Brian got in touch, by the way. Oh, did he? Yeah, I forgot to mention. It is Brian Brian yeah, not, he, not he, brill. No, he, he, he actually wrote it out phonetically. He put B R dash E Y E dash L E. Brill. Brill. Yeah. Can we call him Brill anyway? Uh, let us know. Brill stroke Brill. If you're comfortable with that, we, we'd rather just call you Brill. If that's okay. Or Dave. Or Dave, yeah. Or Bob. Nah, Dave. Brill. 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 What about Dave? Brill? Oh, Dave Brill. Mm. I like it. Yeah, Dave Brill. Um, so thanks for getting back in touch. We're not going to get anyone else getting in touch if we just talk. If we, <laughs> if we, do, if we do stuff like this, yeah, if we just <laughs> mangle people's names. Um, so yeah, with that, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. We'll be back in two weeks. I've been Chris, aka True Mister Six. I've been Andy, aka Dave Brill. Mm. See you later, Drake. folks. Bye. <laughs> Drave Brill. Love it. Drave, Drave Bill. Ryan Slater, and he's just, uh, he has one question for the Ministry of Dice. Where's my spoon? <laughs>